Ryan, owner of OMH Agency, and welcome to Breakaway Agent. In a world full of real estate pros struggling to get ahead, there are a few who emerge and become wildly successful. If you are or are working to become one of these breakaway agents, then this show is for you. Thank you so much for listening. And even if you just get one thing out of this episode that helps your business grow, well, that's a huge win. And hopefully you'll get a few nuggets to help you move forward. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Rory Clark, licensed associate real estate broker of Halstead Real Estate. Uh, he works out in New York, but he specializes in Manhattan and Brooklyn. He was recognized as a best real estate agent in New York State by Real Trans America and in Halstead Properties Elite Producers Council, which is the top 2% company-wide, the Gold Club, and a past recipient of the Halstead Village Office Strategy Award based on sales production. Rory, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me and for that very kind introduction. <laughs> of course, of course. That's it's really exciting and really awesome. And, um, you know, I always say like when, um, you know, as, as people are, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I just want to get ahead. I always say like, be careful who you get your advice from Make make sure that it's somebody who's already where you want to be. So I really appreciate the level of, of expertise that you're bringing to us today. I'm looking forward to having fun. Awesome. Well, how about if we start out, if you tell us kind of a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So like many real estate brokers out there who are even uh, new or veterans, uh, this is a second career for me. Uh, I started my career as a corporate attorney in Manhattan, uh, servicing business uh, transactions, uh, mergers, acquisitions, some securities work. I practiced law for about four years in Manhattan. Uh, and then that's when I made my transition uh, into real estate. Uh, and I represent buyers, sellers, uh, and some landlords uh, purchasing condos, co-ops, and townhouses. Uh, primarily in Manhattan and Brooklyn, like you alluded to. Oh, very good. Very good. That's awesome. It is It is true that a lot of people come from another industry, which I think is what makes this industry so fascinating. You know, people coming from different backgrounds, but also different skill sets and talents. Don't you think? Absolutely. And I think that's what makes it fun is that uh, we all have different unique skill sets and that I also think help us serve our clients as well as help us uh, market ourselves and what we bring to the table and how we can uniquely get our clients what they're trying to get. That's awesome. Well, one of the things in, in along those lines is that I really believe that everyone has strengths. Um, and as a high achiever like yourself, it really speaks to the fact that you've leaned into what I like to call your superpowers. Um, and I, I had asked you a few questions before this, and you had identified one of your top superpowers as being a problem solver. Would you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, you know, coming from a past career, I think all of us should really look at what skill sets we can have. And if even if you're just starting out, how do those translate into successfully becoming a real estate broker and helping our clients get to the closing table? For me, problem solving is something that you're, you're trained as a lawyer back in law school, you know, how to navigate issues, but also how to anticipate issues before they arise so that you can certainly deal with them as best as we can. And we all know transactions the simplest looking transaction oftentimes becomes complicated or something will come up. Uh, and I really do pride myself on using my past experience on finding pitfalls that could happen in a transition, uh, in a transaction and making sure that we're doing everything we can to avoid those. So, you know, using checklists to make sure that the parts of the transaction that have to happen every single time ha they're happening and not just on my end, but as well as on the attorney's end in New York, we use attorneys for closings, which are required by law. Uh, as well as on the mortgage side. So it's really trying to uh, spot issues before they happen so that we can better navigate them 
because we know that there's always going to be unfortunately issues that come up uh, to prevent a transaction from potentially closing. Mm-hmm. And that really, it, you know, I've, I've seen, um, usually the agents that I talk to are awesome. And so, you know, they're like, you, you know, what you're saying resonates where it's, you know, you're looking for things, no matter whether it's on supposedly in, you know, your job or regardless, that's kind of, I feel what the difference between more deals closing and more deals not closing. Um, would you say that that's like the primary benefit to the idea of making sure that you're solving problems throughout the transaction? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, one of the things we, one of our values is getting our clients to the closing table. And while we're striving to get our clients the best prices on the sales side and the buy side, the best possible deals, it's also, we're navigating a minefield and particularly here in New York City, uh, we have the concept of co-ops, uh, which are a ton of fun, uh, as I joke, but at the same time, they give us uh, more value, right? And we have to navigate clients through that process. Not everyone can buy a co-op. They have to be financially qualified. Every board is different. Uh, and so it's almost like navigating a minefield to make sure that uh, we're getting our clients through a transaction. And sometimes that means telling a client no when they may not want to hear no, but it's in their best interests. Uh, you know, the worst thing we all want is a transaction that doesn't close, because whether it may not be our fault, we're usually the ones to blame. Yeah, true. That's, unfortunately for you, it is true. Um, and then you also mentioned uh, trust and being a people person also are factors in your success. What habits do you recommend to other agents when it comes to those um, strengths? And how can it benefit your clients and maybe the transactions that you do? Yeah, Sure. I think it goes back to just the life tenant of of being a good person, doing good by people. Uh, and again, just going back to my background as an attorney, I view myself as a fiduciary to my client. You know, we're not getting paid a lot of money uh, to open doors. You know, we do a lot more than that. And so I think, you know, guiding and navigating our clients and looking out for their best interests, I think is tremendous. And earning that trust with a client early on is really huge. And, and sometimes or, or oftentimes in Manhattan, that means telling a client, you know, I really don't love that building. You know, there's this issue going on. I know you love it, but maybe, you know, it's your decision at the end of the day, but there's the pros and cons. Uh, and I think clients really respect that. You know, we're not just after a commission check, uh, but we're really after doing the best possible thing for a client. And I always say a few things to clients when I first meet with them. And I think that starts off the trust. You know, if I'm working with a buyer, at least in New York City, I tell my buyers, you really, and, and aside from certain specific investors, you really have to have a midterm perspective on buying the property to make money on it. I say you should really expect to hold the property for at least three to five years uh, in order to really make money and for this investment to work out because at the end of the day, you're living here, but it's your biggest investment, right? And I think out from the outset, clients really appreciate that. They say, you know, I didn't really think about that. There's transaction costs to me buying the property and then me selling the property. And the market has to, of course, appreciate for me to make money. And I think when clients hear me say that, they understand that I'm really here for their best interest. And one of the other first things I say to new clients when I meet with them is, you know, you may or may not decide to sell, whether I'm meeting with a seller or a buyer. I say to a buyer, you may not decide to buy, you know, maybe life changes, your job changes you to a different city, and you don't end up buying something in this location. That's great. What's most important to me is our relationship, you know, and I love working with people that we get along with and, uh, and earning that trust, I think is huge. And, and ultimately getting not just that deal if it works out, but referrals. Right, right. That's really true. And one of the things that you mentioned ahead of time too was, um, you know, I'd asked you like, what are you really passionate about sharing with other agents or people that you're mentoring or working alongside with that you really want to see them succeed? Um, And you said to find your voice 
and your tribe and bring value. Can you just speak to that for me? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think as agents or salespeople in general, especially when you're newer in the business, you just want business. And so when you get that lead and you call them and you email them, you're very excited. You know, you just want business. But I, to me, from a business perspective as agents, because we're all our own real business owners, for me, it's important to find people that are like-minded, that I'm going to get along with, that I like, and vice versa, that like me. Because that's just going to make for a much better business transaction. A lot of my clients have become very good friends. I've been at weddings of my clients and vice versa. Uh, we socialize together. And not everyone becomes a best friend. But when I say my tribe, I want people that I'm going to get along with and that are going to get along with me that respect me and what I do for a living. And, and I can tell you, whenever you have that client, you'd think to yourself, you know, do I really want to work with this person? It, you know, usually it doesn't go in the right direction. I'm at a point in my career, I've really realized I want to work with people that, that know and like and respect me as much as I know and like and respect them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's so important, especially in an industry where there's so many moving parts. Um, and I, you know, you see kind of either beginners or not, but people who will just bring on anybody, right. You got a pulse, you want a house, you're mine, right? Like I'll, I help every, what, who's your target audience? Like any human who wants a house, right. But then, you know, they'll bring them on and it's, you know, if you don't get each other or you don't, you know, I mean, we're, we're all different, but there's like you were saying, it's like, there's enough commonality and kind of understanding and mutual respect that if it's lacking, I mean, the transaction's hard enough on its own. Um, so, you know, having someone who respects you as the authority, which is, you know, also the, you know, our jobs as professionals to, communicate that. But I think what you're saying is really important when it comes to even just, you know, think about, I'm sure that you don't put in a regular, you know, job hours. I'm sure you're not like a 40 hour a week real estate agent. And so that's your life. I mean, that's what you're doing most of your life. So if you're hating it, it's, you know, it's better to do what you love, right? You could have said it any better. Well, and I like that you're so committed to growth, even as a high-performing agent. What are a couple things that you struggle with today when it comes to growing sales? I think it's growing the right way. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that we provide is customer service, right? And that's what clients expect. Uh, and so we can only really work with so many clients at one particular time and give that level of service. So I think it's, it's able you know, to grow in a natural way that doesn't sacrifice the service, uh, as well as a quality of life, right? I think we love what we do. And I think it's an amazing industry and there's so much opportunity for us as agents, you know, as our own business people to really grow our own business and control our income and our lifestyle. Uh, but I think it's important to, to be able to enjoy that a little bit as well. So I think growing in an organic and natural way that doesn't sacrifice those things um, is important. And can you think of maybe a tip or two just related to that? Because I'm imagining being a new agent and it sounds really beautiful and everything, but like, are, are there any kind of ways, things, maybe an example or, or you know, tactics even that has helped you define what that means as you go? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think this is a big thing that, you know, real estate coaches and things like that talk about is one thing is time blocking. You know, I think there's certain things that have to happen every day if that's, if that's prospecting, which is incredibly important which can't be replaced by putting out fires. Uh, so you need to be always going after that new business and dedicating time every day to doing that. Uh, and on the personal side, I also think, again, it's time blocking. The weekends is obviously huge. Uh, and when I got in this business, I, I was committed to working 24-7, 365, and I, and I did it plenty. 
Um, but I no longer work on Saturdays. I don't show property on Saturday. That's just a policy I have. Uh, and it's worked out very well. I can't say I've ever lost the transaction because of it. And I think people, again, they respect you a little bit more when sometimes a client says, hey, you know, how does Saturday work? And I say, you know, unfortunately, I don't work Saturday. That's my one day off this week. Uh, but we can do X, Y, Z time. Um, or if it has to be Saturday, there's sometimes there's flexibility to bring in a team member uh, to do it. So I, I do think it's, it's drawing boundaries. And again, I think people will respect you more. You know, you're not going to, your doctor isn't available at three o'clock on a Saturday if that's your only time you can be there. And while we're not doctors, we're real estate brokers. But I think if you draw boundaries, I think people will respect you more also. 100%. 100%. That's really true. You know, my husband and I were in real estate. He was in real estate for like 20 years and I was in there for 15 and we had our own office and, you know, young family. Um, and same thing, you know, we had appointments when, you know, we needed our own time, but, you know, like you, your, your hours are so big that, you know, you do need to kind of take care of yourself and kind of be a person that you would be friends with, which means setting boundaries and, you know, <laughs> having a life, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. We, we have, a, my wife and I have a daughter turning one uh, in two days. Uh, Congratulations. Right. So if a client calls tonight and says, I need to see a property on, on Saturday at her first birthday party, it, it's, it's not going to happen with me. But again, I have systems in place. I have team members where if it needs to be that time, we can do it. Um, but, but you do need to set some boundaries, I think. Well, and you mentioned your team. Can you tell me a little bit about your team structure? Yep. So I, I have a full-time assistant and then I have uh, on a varying basis, one to two agents that help me primarily on showings. Uh, so again, you know, open houses is, is huge everywhere, but especially Manhattan Sunday is a very big day for open houses. So I have agents uh, that, that are trained with me and, uh, you know, I make sure everyone who goes into a property knows as much as me as that property. We have a huge checklist on that. Uh, and so it helps things keep you moving uh, smoothly. And my assistant really uh, runs the administrative side and, and marketing side of things. Oh, very good. Very good. So the, the agents that work with you, are you in like the leadership role or how does that work? Or are they peers within Halstead or how does that work? Yeah, I would say both. Uh, they're peers within Halstead uh, that are great agents looking to grow their businesses. Um, they're wonderful with people. And so they work really well in my showings and, and buyers tend to love to meet them. Um, and it works both ways. And yeah, I certainly serve a little bit of as a mentor role. Um, and that always leads to some new business that we can work together. Um, and they look to me a little bit if need be, but, um, but it, it works well for, for both uh, parties. So when you're kind of looking at agents and kind of being where you're at now, where you've got some experience and, you know, you have your systems in place that are working and you're finding a level of success, what are three things when you look at, at agents and you're like, ah, oh, if you just did these three things, your business would explode. Like, what are three things that you feel are common enough to where you kind of feel like, I know for me, I get so like, I feel so strongly about it. Like if I could just make you do these three things, your business would change. What, what are three things for you like that? Well, I think one is just consistency. And I guess you can even like get more granular on what that looks like, but you have to be consistent in this business and things tend to snowball, right? I mean, the longer you're in the business, they say the better, just more opportunity for more referrals. One client leads to another, leads to another. So it's just being consistent, you know, even if you're a new agent, if it's getting out that monthly digital newsletter, your physical newsletters that are going out, you know, those type of things, being consistent is tremendous. Um, I think too, you know, having some type of, um, um, outlet, you know, this is a really stressful business. It could be an emotional business. Uh, and I think having something to, um, to ground you when that deal falls south or you think it's falling south, I think is, uh, is really important. Um, 
And the third one, I'd have to think about that. <laughs> it's okay. Two are, those two are yeah. great. So it's okay. You got me on the spot there. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> That's, those are great. So, um, and what's something that you would tell your rookie self today, looking back? Hmm. There's probably a hundred things, but like the first thing that yeah. comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I probably say, you know, in certain ways, I would say j- just keep going for it. You know, I think there's something good about being new in this business and sometimes like anything, the, the less you know, the better sometimes in a sense of you just want to go out there and continue to, to push boundaries, you know, as far as we all want to do higher and higher and higher price points. We want to sell that $100 million property. Um, and why not? You know, someone has to sell that. Someone has to sell their first $100 million property. And so why not? Why not you? Um, so, you know, I would just say, you know, you keep going, you know, you never know. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's so cool. Um, is there a ritual or are there rituals that you have that really set you up for a successful day? Yeah, definitely. I definitely have a little bit of morning routine. Like, you know, you read about a lot of different successful entrepreneurs, the Warren Buffetts, the Bill Gates, what do they do in the morning? And for everyone, that's a little bit different. You know, sometimes some people it's, it's going to the gym and things like that. I'm an afternoon gym person. Uh, that's just how I work better. Um, but I do like to get in the office early. I'm usually the first one in my office, uh, even before our administrative staff comes in. Uh, and it just sets me up for the day. I like to kind of look at uh, what's happening for the day, set up things for my nine o'clock meeting with my assistant, um, you know, go through a couple things, just, you know, maybe jot down a couple things that make me, uh, make me happy, a couple things that I, to give gratitude for in my life, uh, just to kind of reset that mind frame because it's all too often we pick up the phone immediately when we wake up and you know, th- th- sometimes not great news waiting for you. Things are canceled. Things have changed. Um, so I just think having that reset early in the morning, getting in early, uh, you can get your best work done before 9am. I think before the email and phone really starts to go. That's awesome. That's really cool. I know I'm an afternoon person too for the gym and stuff. So I'm always happy. I'm always like virtual air high five because so many people, I'm so jealous, honestly, of the morning people. I'm like, ah, I wish I could like get up at four and work out so that I start my day by five. But I just am mad. Like <laughs> I'm just not built like that. <laughs> My question to them is how do you work out on an empty stomach or do you eat oh, and then you do go. you wait? I, it doesn't work for me. I wake up hungry and I, I just don't, it doesn't work. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Love it. Well, and every, you know, again, everyone's different. They all have different ways. Absolutely. So. Um, okay. So the next part is called rapid fire. Okay. So I'm going to ask you, a, I'm going to say like a series of things and I want you to share with me the tool or, you know, the answer to the, to the question. And if I hit one that you're like, I don't, I don't want to share it. You can pass. Okay. And you don't have to like give a reason or just pass. So the first thing, uh, time blocking. What, what's your favorite tool for time blocking? Oh, favorite tool. Uh, you know what? The old expression is whatever tool you use is the best. Uh, I actually have an Excel spreadsheet with a really detailed uh, weekly schedule, uh, which breaks down what I should be doing every single day. Uh, there's a lot of different technology programs. You can do that. You can put things into a calendar, but I literally have a printed out Excel spreadsheet of Monday through Sunday, what needs to happen each day. Very good. Favorite technology. I love Asana. I use Asana, the free version, uh, which is really my, my checklist items for, you know, deal flow, marketing tasks that are ongoing. And so, you know, every new client gets a, a new deal flow, uh, which is a template. So sellers, buyers, landlords, everything's pretty detailed. So I find Asana works really well. It works, obviously, at applications for the phone as well. So wherever you are at any point in time, me, my assistant, or another team member can kind of see who's doing what. And you can assign tasks. 
I love that. I love that. We use Asana, so I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's so funny because having come from real estate into marketing, you know, I always said the best sales and marketing training you'll ever get is in real estate. And you, you get to see all these fancy tools and things like that. But when you go into marketing, I feel like you really get some tools that are special. And uh, so if I were to go back into the real estate field, I would, I think I'd be stealing some of those marketing tools and Asana would be one of them. So that's really cool that, that, that you say that there's so many real estate specific ones out there. So yeah. Um, neither of us have any stake in uh, in Asana. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, you use a free We just like it. So. We just like it. <laughs> That's right. Favorite CRM? Um, I've used Contactory for a while. Okay, very good. Sales pipeline management. Again, I actually use an Excel spreadsheet uh, and it works really well. I have different tabs for active transactions and for all leads. Um, and I know there's a, an unlimited number of, of things you can use for that, but I use an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, very good. Uh, transaction management. Uh, like I said, similar. I think it's a combination of my Excel spreadsheet uh, as well as Asana. Okay, very good. Uh, favorite book right now? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm a big podcaster. I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, when I'm on the train throughout the day. So I, I listen to a, a bunch of different real estate shows, which I like. I love. I still love TED Talks, which has been around forever now. Uh, so I'm a big podcaster, um, and and I guess audiobooks here and there, but I really love my podcast every day and it keeps me current. You know, you hear what other agents are saying, just like this, this podcast, which is fantastic. Um, and, and there's so much maturity out there. So we're always learning. That's awesome. That's very cool. Uh, overall mentor. Uh, my manager, who is also uh, the president of Halstead, uh, has certainly been a mentor. I've been at Halstead almost seven years. Uh, he has seen the business from every side of it on the lending side, on the sponsor side here in New York, bringing uh, condos and co-ops to market as new developments. Uh, he's done new development work and, and obviously as a, as a manager of our office. So um, I look to him often for uh, just brainstorming on, on new business as well as sometimes you know navigating how to get through a transaction. I've learned a lot from him throughout the years. Oh, very good. Very good. It really shows the importance of having a broker who, who can do that role. So you have them right there. A real estate teacher or coach? Um, I do have a coach. Uh, I, I'm going to pass on promoting them. So I, I don't want okay. to, uh, to taint the world out there, but I do have a coach. And, uh, and again, I think it goes back to the accountability and consistency, I think is really important in, in any sales business. Awesome. The most underrated resource in your industry. Hmm. I have to pass on that. I, I can't think of anything that's under underrated. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, that's great. So, um, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you feel like maybe I should have that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think one, one of the great things about these things is you listen to what other agents are doing in different regions. And I, and I find that really interesting because New York's its own animal and, and every city and location has its own nuances of doing transactions there you know, we don't really do a ton of inspections and environmental issues because we're not selling houses on big plots of land. We're selling, you know, apartments and condos and co-ops and townhouses and things like that. So um, I love to hear what other agents are doing in the country. And it's also uh, become a lead source for me and vice versa, right? I mean, New York City obviously is a tremendous city uh, and we have a lot of people coming and a lot of people leaving. Uh, and so forming relationships with agents outside of uh, the greater metro area has been a big lead source for me. Uh, and vice versa, you know, I have even sellers right now that are, I have one that just moved to Las Vegas. Uh, you never know where your clients are going. 
and having that personal relationship is huge. And, you know, you can always find someone and, and you can, if you need to, in a different location, but to know, oh, you're going to Chicago, you got to speak to my guy. You know, he's great. He's done this for other clients. And so uh, it's something I didn't think about when I was earlier in the business. Um, but you never know where your next deal is coming from. And it's not just business, but it's also sharing ideas like we're doing today to, to help each other uh, and to keep our, our industry at, at the level that it is, right? Professional, ethical, the high standards, you know, the technology is impacting our industry a lot, uh, something that we didn't necessarily hit upon today. Um, but I think nothing will ever replace really good real estate agents that are ethical, professional, and I think we have to help each other keep that bar as high as we can. That's awesome. I love that. So how do you meet and connect with other agents around the country? There's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, one thing that, that uh, my coaches talked about is there's even maps online. If you go to the, the government website, census maps, you can look at to see, you know, where are people from your region moving to and where are they coming from? Uh, and that's just a really interesting way to look at things. And from there, uh, you know, there's a, many different ways you can go to conferences, right? There's so many out there now uh, that are trying to foster these type of relationships. So I think maybe it's finding out where are people most coming from? Uh, and with the tax changes that, that have happened in the last few years, we have people leaving, particularly, you know, you've read about New Jersey's a big one, uh, a huge outgoing population. And, and that could still be a source of business for New Jersey agents, right? Let's still capitalize that and serve our clients uh, and figure out where they're going. And, you know, Florida obviously is a big one. Arizona is a big one. Uh, so having relationships with agents in those locations uh, will serve your clients and your business. So do you personally like go to conferences or do you look up agents and then like, call them? I mean, how, how would you? Yeah, more specifically, my coach has been one source, you know, there's a huge okay. social network for that. Uh, but beyond that, I've always, I, I love to travel and I love to meet new people anyway. And one thing that I'd started doing earlier on in the business is when I did travel, I would reach out to my company's internal relocation department and figure out what relationships we have as far as companies in those areas. And I would maybe reach out to a top producer in that area and schedule a one hour meeting. Uh, you know, this goes back years ago, but I was at a bachelor party in New Orleans uh, and same thing, I, I, I snuck in an hour meeting with a top agent who has a brokerage down in, in New Orleans. Um, and, and luckily, it wasn't too wild of a night before. Um, <laughs> but it was super useful and, and it was a great relationship. Um, in that case, there's actually a client of mine who lived down there and, and had that connection. Um, so th there's so many creative ways to do it. But, you know, spending an hour uh, to meet with a top producer, I can tell you they're always going to be happy to meet with you. Uh, and likewise. Right, right. That's, that's a really great tip, honestly. Like, it's, I think that it's not something that comes up a lot, but just kind of even being aware and more deliberate about making those connections when you have the opportunity right there. So that was, that's really a great point. Okay. Last question. I am a huge foodie and, um, you know, I had a marketing podcast before this and then now I have that and I've never ended a podcast without this question. What is your favorite dish and where do you get it? My favorite dish. I'm a mix between an Italian meal or I'm a carnivore, so a steak. Uh, so it, it could be anywhere from a filet mignon <laughs> okay. with some potatoes and cream spinach uh, or probably like a veal parmesan. Uh, a restaurant called Carbone here in, in Manhattan, is, uh, it, it comes out and it, the plate is the size of both of our heads and it's amazing. Oh my gosh. That sounds awesome. Oh my gosh. Okay. Now I'm starving. Um, and you're like, it's, it's lunchtime for you right now too. It's right? lunchtime here. So I can, I can have a, a veal parmesan for lunch and steak for dinner, right? There you go. There you go. Well, Rory, thank you so much for being a guest today. Um, you just gave us some really good takeaways. I, I really love that. The last part where you were talking about making those connections too. I think that, um, 
that, that was a really great takeaway as well as, you know, several other things that we talked about. So just thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll look forward to hopefully making new connections. Yes, definitely. And thank you so much to everyone who's listening. Thanks to Taylor, who's actually back home in Montana, uh, managing everything and listening in and, and helping it all run so smoothly. And um, so thank you. And remember, the best is yet to come.